welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. We'll find out how circular principles can create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. Welcome to episode 29. I'm recording this on the 5th of June and here in the UK we're starting to ease out of the 11 weeks of lockdown, though many are worried that we don't yet have a way to control the spread of coronavirus. I hope you and yours are staying safe and well. First, my apologies for the messed up release of the last episode with Chris Diplock in Canada about the thingery. I managed to publish it with the audio from episode 27, interviewing Chris Hellowell in Scotland about the Edinburgh Tool Library. If you'd already downloaded the episode like me, you may have to delete it and go back to the series to download it again. It's a great conversation, and the thingery is a brilliant way to create a library of things in your own town. In this episode, we're talking to Mabel Suglo, a social entrepreneur in Ghana. Mabel's grandmother suffered from severe leprosy and as a child, Mabel was all too aware of how difficult her grandma's life was, with everyday tasks like carrying water back to the house being a major challenge. As an adult, Mabel was shocked by seeing a disabled person being insulted for begging and that led to her determination to do something to help those people have proper, meaningful jobs and to break down the stigma around disability. The sound quality comes and goes a bit as we both struggled with under-pressure broadband. Mabel recommends some other social entrepreneurs, and I repeat those names at the end. In today's episode, I'm talking to Mabel Suglo, the founder of Dignified Wear, a social enterprise in Ghana. Dignified Wear aims to economically empower people with disabilities and rural women through decent jobs. It trains and then employs them to handcraft durable, versatile and fashionable shoes, handbags, locally woven fabrics, clothing and traditional jewellery. It uses circular economy principles to turn waste into value, with products made from recycled tyres, scrap fabrics, cotton threads, recycled glass and plastic bottles. Dignified Wear also aims to inspire communities to be creative about reusing materials, extending their life cycle and at the same time reducing waste and pollution. Mabel is an international award-winning social entrepreneur with many accolades from around the world, including from the President of the Republic of Ghana. And she's been featured on both local and international media such as the BBC, CNN and Huffington Post. Mabel, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you, Catherine. How are things in Ghana right now? Okay, so, um, well, we happen to be in a, um, a world 
health crisis right now that is affecting many countries. So we are being home and um, not having a lot of work to do outside, but working from home and all those kind of things. So yeah, we're just keeping safe and spraying all these passes and we become free again. Mm. So you're in, you're in lockdown as well. Everybody's staying at home. Yeah. So does that mean that yeah. Dignified Wear isn't working or are, able, are people able to work from home? Um, so there are aspects of the business we can do from home, like the beading part. And then there are aspects that we need to get to the shop to do. But um, we are currently not doing a lot of assembly right now on a daily basis. We just try to gather a number of them and then one person go gets the whole thing done instead of all of us going together to minimize the spread or um, yeah, the effects of the virus or that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? We're we're into week four, I think it is, of lockdown now and people are being yeah. generally very sensible. Um, but there are lots of concerns about um, you know, lack of face masks and equipment and how how particularly small businesses are going to get by even with quite a lot of support from the government um you know it's it's uh, there are lo- lots of um difficulties and questions about how it's going to all pan out so having been inspired by your late grandma to do something how did you set about starting the business what what did you decide to do first Okay, so um, getting the inspiration from my late grandmom who had a single time due to her leprosy condition and uh, being a single mommy defined the odds of uh, stigmatization and marginalization to feed, uh, cultivate food crops on the feed, a piece of land to feed her children and grandchildren, proving the fact that the disability is not inability. I decided to economically empower persons with disabilities and rural women here in Ghana, who are over 5 million, of which the 25% of them constitute a fiscally challenge to be financially independent and take ownership of their life. So how I do this is uh, by walking onto the street, interacting with them. Those that wanna come on board, I pick them up, pay for their training for them to get trained in how to make these shoes and uh, fashionable accessories. And then we intend um, employ them to be our workers so that they would be able to earn decent livelihoods more than what they were gaining on the street and to contribute to our long-term financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started with the idea of making shoes and sandals, is that right? And using, did, yeah. did you start off using waste materials or did that come later? So I started with uh, using waste materials from the story of my, you know, PA, uh, PA farmers in the Upper West region of Ghana mostly were shoes made of car tires to shovel just wouldn't be able to pick through them. So I just decided to pick up from whatever I saw in my community or whatever way abandoned in my community to work on with so much as possible because they want to operate like the big players in the 
industry already. So we started with this tires. People would just dump off in their homes. Sometimes we go pick them and then um, <clears throat> we work with them. But right now, offer them some money to get from people's homes as well as to get them from organizers and other scrapyards builders as well. Yeah. So just so I'm clear on that, do people collect that your employees collect the tires themselves or people in the community bring um, waste resources that they think you can use? Yeah, people bring them mm -hmm. because uh, as I said, I'm working with fiscally challenged people, so their mobility is kind of restricted. So uh, we, uh, in our community, people know that we work with such material, so they come to get give it to us, and then we pay them all. Personally, we go around and pick them because I have some other part-time youth that are on the streets doing nothing. So when I, as a when I need them, I let them go around for it. Or when I, uh, somebody says, oh, well, I have this car tie, I've just took off from my car, I need to drop it off. Will you be interested in it? Then if it is the kind of tires we want, we go pick it up. And then all the are scrap yards here in Sunyani where they send these tires to be sold. Yeah, so that's how we pick them up. Mm. And over the over the years, you've evolved the business to make other products. So you started with shoes, and now you're making, from what I can see on the website, there's a quite a range of of bags, of jewelry and accessories, um, clothing, that kind of thing. How's have people, have have your employees brought those ideas to you, or have you looked? at um, you know, what, what other waste materials are there and what, what can we do with this? How has that evolved? So uh, the evolution came as a result of, of two things. First, the demand by my customers. Mm -hmm. And secondly, uh, to, to promote the African identity and culture out there while still operating on our core value of uh, recycling waste material. So if you look at, at those uh, as jewelry and accessories that we have on our website, they are traditional and they identify with the Ghanaian community. And they are made of other waste materials as well. So when the opportunity was presented to us by our customers, because when we're doing only shoes with the uh, scrap fabric, which was also a kind of African thing mm -hmm. because of the kind of fabrics we used to use, um, people would go like, oh, I would have loved to have this with maybe this kind of accessory, or I'm going to use it to attend a wedding or a naming ceremony or that kind of thing. And because these are all cultural events, so we just decided to tap into the idea of um, serving their need, which is to look cultural, yet serving the other need of cleaning up our environment as well, which was still in line of our visions and our values as a business. So that is why we just decided to uh, tap into those uh, uh, um, product diversification and Above all, it was going to create more employment for other uh, marginalized folks like rural women and then the fiscally challenge as well. So that's the more reason why, that's how come we evolve. And then I wouldn't 
say I've regretted it is a nice thing because it's helping us live our dream whilst creating much more impact. Mm, yeah, that sounds good. And have you found that um, over the years you've been running the business as you're providing employment and cleaning up the waste and um, engaging with the community, have you found that that's reduced some of the stigma associated with being disabled? Has it changed people's minds? Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, it has changed people's minds because that was one of my greatest challenge uh, of initially having to work with these persons with disabilities because, you know, here in Africa, people always perceive those people to be like born of evil spirit or they are cursed or that kind of social myth that they just have. And so um, when I set out, I tried using the, the two approaches. I would tell somebody that, well, this product, will you like to buy? They go like, yes, it's beautiful, it's colorful, and all those things. But when I follow up, that is made of made of uh, made by persons with disability. They go, they go like, you see that kind of. They will try to withdraw, and I went like, no, these people are just like you and I. It just takes an accident or something, and you also we all have some form of ability. It's just that it doesn't show because. If you really want to be a total well-whole being, you have to have a state of correctness in your mind, your body, your everything. But at each point of time, it's either you are stressed or you are... So, like, you are not physically whole at each point in time. So let's not look at them with the negative lenses, but let's look at them with the kind of impact they are creating. Because you are the people saying these people are uh, a burden to the society because they are always begging for your money anytime they see you. But here is the case, if you grant them the opportunity to produce something for you to buy, of which I'm offering to you right now, and if I've not even told you, touch this product is made by a, a, an able person. So why are we trying to relegate them to the background when they are equally able, just as you, you and I are? So with the, over the years, the education has helped people to get over that kind of stigmatization. And the way uh, the government is right now trying to put them on the spotlight and all support them, it's making a lot of people get to know that it's high time we uh, celebrate and embrace them and include them socially instead of trying to still marginalize. Yes, the challenges are still there, but it's, it's now way, way much more minimal because when they come to the site and they see them working and sometimes they come to see the addresses of the people. We are shipping these people to, uh, we are shipping the products to people in New Jersey, San Diego, and all those things. I went, I always say that, well, uh, this, I say to the disabled people, this should make you feel proud because you are here in Ghana in Sunyani, making something that is transcending and moving over nations and continents and oceans to get to somebody that is inspired and is happy about what you're doing. So you should have some self-esteem and self-worth for yourself. And then other customers that you come by, I said, well, this were the people we are trying to put behind the bars for no, no crime of theirs, because as you can see, this is what they are doing. And this is the kind of caliber of people that are interested in their craft. So we should first of all, give them that opportunity instead of always trying to make them look the bad when in actual sense, we are the bad people here because we don't want to give them that opportunity. Yeah, that's a great point. And it reminds me of, you may may not be familiar with it, 
um, but it was used um, a couple of Olympics ago. Um, the uh, M People song, What Have You Done to make, Today to Make You Feel Proud, that, um, you know, people can be proud of, of buying those products and, you know, supporting um, your social enterprise and supporting reducing waste and repurposing waste into value and also supporting the traditional crafts and the people who are making the products can be proud that they're contributing to exports and contributing to the local economy and there's just a whole range of reasons to be yeah. proud of all sorts of aspects of the of the business so when you were trying to to get it going what were the main barriers and challenges you know did you did you find it difficult to get funding um, did you find it difficult to get equipment? What what were the main headaches for you? So um, initially, it was to gain the trust of uh, my disabled workers because um, I've had almost all of them that I take through uh, this kind of uh, motivation session before they actually get to work to make them understand that they can do this. They are, they, they, they are, if only they are determined and they are worth it. So most of them always say that, well, we only hope you are not one of those that are trying to take advantage of us and you are advantage of us. So it was pretty difficult to gain their trust initially because how can two work together if you don't agree? So, but uh, I overcame that challenge um, with my first employee, Kingsford, who I've worked with through the years. I just, well, bring him in and say, well, look at him for, he's been with me all these years. So if I wasn't really in to do something good, I don't think he would still be here by now. <laughs> so he would now also talk to them and let them understand that we are actually meaning business. We mean what we are saying. And it's up to them to join us or just decide to sit back and let faith take care of them. So um, that was the first challenge. And the second challenge was the access to funding to um, buy the basic uh, tools and machineries we use in the production. And, um, but that's, I had to, I, I did take care of using my personal savings from school and that of my, my mommy and my big sister, because they are more like the big funders or investors in my business. Cause it's from their monies I've been able to do a whole lot of things of which I want to tell them that I'm really grateful for. Yeah, so because I, I didn't really know anything about grants. I didn't know anything about like business competitions and pages and all those things. It has to take me quite some time and years to learn how to do this. Yeah, so uh, uh, funding and um, gaining the trust of my people and even where to operate was a challenge because when I started initially, I was in Kumasi, and then later on, I finally had to relocate here to Suriyane. So all those things were a challenge because of the changing phases of my life as a student that's supposed to learn to make the parents proud and at the same time create employment or source of livelihood for the less privileged in the society. But now we are all settled in Sunyani for good. And then we are, uh, even though we've not acquired all the type of machineries we need because of the increasing demand and the kind of food, future products we want to offer, even though it's still going to be in the line of uh, repurposing waste, 
um, we need some kind of sophisticated gadgets to do that because right now we do all our production by manual means using our hands, no machines inside. The only tools we use to help us do that is the tweezers so that we can cut and get fine finishing and all those things, yeah. Mm. So it's very much relying on traditional tools and and um, end of use resources then. So that's amazing that you have to start with, you know, build building trust. It starts from the fundamentals, doesn't it? Of, um, you know, why why should you trust me, and how am I going to help you move your life forward? That's that's quite kind of um, an existential question for um, the first the first. Well, it's even before the first days of work, isn't it? It's kind of convincing them to even trust you enough to get started, and. What are your plans next, Mabel? What What are you hoping to do next with the business? Is it new products? Is it um, more export markets? What are you thinking of? So right now we're thinking of uh, getting out into um, the European and American market the more through our export. And as well as we, we are not going to add many more products this because we are now trying to even zero in and produce specific things because I think we have it all right now as we figure it out what we really want to do, which is one, create employment for the marginalized community, two, um, upcycle and make our, our environment much more cleaner, and three, promote the African or the Ghanaian culture to the international world or the culture of any nation or country we happen to work in because that is our global goal as we grow up and scale into other nations and countries as well. So we're looking at the reaching much more customers and market through our export, um, getting many more um, 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 retail partners here in Ghana and abroad so that our products can reach many more customers to make more impact and at the same time increase our revenue, which is much more in running the whole business to make it sustainable. And then we are looking at um, employing these marginalized people. We want to be that kind of organization that once they are, because their unemployment rate is way more like a 0.5 higher than the unemployment rate uh, for the able person here in Ghana. So. We want to be that go-to institution they can always call or look up to to get something doing due to the, the discrimination they always face when it comes to being employed due to the fact that they are either not highly educated or people are just have this bad societal myth about, about them, which is actually not any fault of this. We want to be that institution that would employ them to know that all they need is self-motivation and a determination to succeed with their hands. Yeah, not to go and get some degrees and whatever that wouldn't get them the unemployment rate. So that we are looking out to now, reaching many more markets, serving more, many more customers, and then employing many more physically talented while still being that dream business and ethical, fashionable institution we've always envisioned to be and will be. Excellent. Well, that sounds like sens- sensible aims for um, 
you know, continu continuing on the successful path that you were already on and um, just spreading the benefits um, to more to more people. That's excellent. And Mabel, what would your top tip be for anybody wanting to start a circular economy business or a social enterprise? So, well, it's simple. I just have these three values or beliefs I've been living on all these years. First of all, you have to have the faith. You have to be patient. And then just no matter what happens, never give up. Those three are what I would tell you because I started this journey in 2013. And after 2020, seven years down the line, um, I've still not figured it all out. So it takes a great deal of uh, patience to come this far. If not, I, there were times, it's, it's not all rosy, it's not all so uh, glamorous as it's I, you might feel as I'm talking to you right now, there were times I've cried my eyes out, like in 2017, where I nearly ran mad and all those things due to pressure and all those things. But I just told myself that, well, come shine or rain, I'm not going to give up. And today I'm still in this and I'll continue being in it. Because I always believe that wherever you get stuck, cry out for help. Whoever is able to help you, you give them. Thanks to God. If you don't get, of course, you always get help if only you ask, because people cannot just offer help to you when you don't really ask for it or you don't need it. Yeah, so just have your faith. Tell yourself that whatever giant you are going to face, you face it so it disappears or you disappear, whichever way it is. To be patient, because people nowadays, you we always think that, oh, the next big is becoming an entrepreneur, then you become all successful. You build a house, you buy a car, you live a glamorous and luxurious life all in one month. Guy, it doesn't happen that way. You have to be patient. You have to go through a series of processes to attain that luxurious life you want to live someday. You have to do a lot of sacrifices and delayed gratification. And no matter what, don't give up because it's not worth it. Just remember why you started at the initial stages. Why did you come all this far in this five to seven years and you want to just let it go just because of one single challenge? Keep on persevering. The challenge would itself naturally handle itself. So just don't give up no matter what. That mm. is what I have to tell you. Yeah, never give up. That's great advice. And Mabel, who would you recommend as a future guest for the program to inspire people about the circular economy? Yes, so I would recommend uh, Prince Abada. He's uh, the founder of Polybar, a recycling company here in Ghana, and that of uh, Chinewe Okono. He's uh, she's uh, the founder of uh, Create or Recreate, Waste or Create, yes, Waste or Create Innovation also based here in Accra. So those are the two people I can think of. Unless, of course, you want me to recommend people that are in other countries, then I can send you the names later on. Yeah. No, that sounds great. And um, if you can share the contact details for those with, with me, obviously I won't put that out on the show notes, but anything about their websites I can include in the show notes so people can look them up as well. Yeah, I will do that. Excellent. So, Mabel, 
how can people find out more about you and Dignified Wear and get in touch? Okay, so um, I use the name Mabel Suglo on my LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. and Suglo Mabel One on Twitter. And the business too, you can find it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by the name Dignified Wear. Yes, so when you just search Dignified Wear, you can find our LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitter pages. And our website is www.dignifiedwear.com. So when you get there, you will see our contact numbers. You can call us, you can email us, and then you can go to our social media handles from there as well. Yeah, and there's a shop on the website as well, isn't there? If people want to have a look yeah, at, there what's, is a shop at what's for sale and um, buy something to support the next phase of your business as we all emerge from the pandemic lockdown. So, Mabel, that's been fantastic. Thank you for giving us all those insights into the journey so far of Dignified Wear. It sounds as if you're doing some fantastic work and really providing meaning and something for people to be proud of in what they're making and what they're buying thank you very much thank you to Catherine for the opportunity to be on circular economy podcast i'm grateful in case you didn't catch those other ghanaian entrepreneurs that mabel recommended they are prince agbata with his company kaliba and chinienwa okoru onu of waste or create and their details and website links are in the show notes on circulareconomypodcast.com. I found that such an inspiring conversation. Mabel's enterprise succeeds because she found a sweet spot for her local community, resolving pains and creating gains, especially for people who are disabled or disadvantaged. She's combined what her local community needs meaningful employment and creating ways to use some of the waste materials causing ecosystem destruction and leaching toxins into the local environment. She does that by helping people learn new skills and using traditional Ghanaian designs to make desirable products to sell at home and abroad. I loved how Mabel is challenging existing entrenched beliefs and prejudices about disabled and disadvantaged workers. The social stigmas run deep, with people linking illnesses like leprosy to evil spirits and curses. Mabel broke down the barriers by starting conversations about the products, challenging people as to why the product should be less desirable when they realised it was made by someone with disabilities. Mabel didn't pull any punches with her advice for those wanting to start a business or a social enterprise. As she said, have faith in your idea be patient and never give up. She dispelled any ideas that it might be glamorous and told us there'll be lots of pressure. It's highly likely that even after seven years, like Mabel, you'll still be figuring stuff out. If you're interested in business with a purpose beyond profit, my latest blog might be useful. I'm exploring how to use the Japanese philosophy of Ikigai to define your business purpose, your why. You can find it on LinkedIn or at rethinkglobal.info. 
To find out about other social entrepreneurs in Africa, read my blog from March 2020, Transforming Plastic Waste into Social Value. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info, or send us a tweet, at rethink underscore global. Please let us know what you think of the podcast, and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.